Hello all and welcome to the 87th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is about to give you our Daniel Farker Legacy Special. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic. I hope this finds you extremely well on the way. The good, the bad and ugly of Farker's four and a bit years. Special guests join us to have their say, your comments and memories during our live broadcast and absolutely nothing on Norwich's current search for his replacement. Uh, We will work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Good evening, Michael. We have Canary Snongsmith. Canary Snongsmith, John Rogers. Good evening, everybody. That's, that's <laughs> so that's that's how we're talking to each other now. Okay. <laughs> and can I get his name right? Let's see. It's friend of the pod and the voice of Norwich City on BBC Radio Norfolk, commentator Chris Gorham. Is that your subtle hint, Michael, that you think um, Trevor Francis is in with a shout of being the new manager, being a bit nasal about things at the start? We, we, we're looking for, we look for subtle hints from you. Um, worse has been written this week, so yeah, why not? Take it, take it and run. Um, there we go. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, on this Daniel Farker Legacy Special, uh, which is what it is labelled. Uh, how are we all doing? Steve, how are you doing since uh, Monday? Good? Yeah, I feel, I feel like you probably see more of me than your own family at this point, yeah. which is never a good state of affairs for you, I wouldn't have thought. But uh, yeah, they're not they're not here now, are they? Where are they now? They're not here. I think they're um, asleep. Uh, well, yeah. And uh, as, well, as I say, if you all should be, it's only quarter past eight. Um, yeah, no, uh, hugely excited. Uh, obviously, the second time we've done it. But I feel like this is more of a celebratory one. We were kind of still in mourning slightly on, on Monday, weren't we? But I, I feel like... There's a lot of good things to look back on in a short space of time. So let's hope we can fit them all in. 100%. Yes, indeed. We um, we we should probably plug now Monday's podcast, which is out episode 86. Uh, you can listen to all of uh, us talking about the actual decision, the fallout, what happened at Brentford um, and a bit on where Norwich go from here. All of those sort of things are all in Monday's podcast. Uh, we did sort of hold back on talking about Daniel Farker's time as Norwich City head coach because we were going to do that this evening, although I did think we said at the time 24 hours later. So it's been quite a long 24 hours, but uh, forgive us for that, please. Um, John? How's things? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm sort of frayed at the edges, but we're all right. We're, we're hanging in there. Thank you so much. Lovely to have it's you on It's a funny here. time, isn't it, for everyone? It's just kind it's of the ups there. and downs that have been over this last week. It's been enough to last the whole season. So we just keep going and see what happens. Indeed. It's, it's, always a bit of, it's always a bit of fun, but I have got my phone on me, you know, just in case anything happens tonight. <laughs> it's not going to happen tonight. Chris, how are you? Underdressed, having seen you with you, you've, 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 this is some sort of forfeit. You're doing the show in your vest and pants because you've forgotten your kit. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got no pants on. Uh, no, oh. I have got my um, my Norwich City Family show, Michael. Um, <laughs> my Norwich is it my Norwich City flat cap, which I wore at the playoff final in Cardiff. I can't remember which edition I mentioned that I had this cap, but I'm wearing it tonight because I did say I'd wear it when I found it, and I found it while I was looking for my Craig Bellamy simply the vest. <laughs> Which I, which I did definitely say I would wear after Norwich had finally won a Premier League game this season. And, uh, and here it is. So uh, I thought I'd just wear them all at the same time. Um, seems, seems fitting given the week we've had. And 
here I am. So how exciting. Um, well, it's brilliant to have you all on. As I said, Monday's podcast, give that a listen. Um, we may be back next week, depending on when there's a head coach announcement and if we can get ourselves together. Maybe we'll wait until after the Southampton game. I haven't quite decided yet, but we'll maybe we'll see who it is and, and how um, how um, open I am to talking about it. We, we will see. Um, and uh, obviously, you will have seen the names about in terms of Daniel Farker's success. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anything's done. I don't think anything's majorly close. It is an ongoing process. And that is why we're not talking about it tonight, because we would only be guessing. And I am not going to guess. And I have not guessed since Saturday. So we will now continue with our Daniel Farker special uh, podcast. This is all about him, his coaching staff, their contribution to the football club. We want anyone watching and listening to get involved with us live. We are going to break it down into eight categories which we want contributions from everyone, including you guys listening. We're going to have our special guests in as well. The eight categories we've got are best moment, lowest, his lowest point, uh, favorite memory or analogy. Although, as John pointed out to me um, off recording, um, I probably know more of those because I actually was in the press conferences. And not many other people were. Um, we also want uh, a synonymous player. Who is the player you think of when you think of Daniel Farker or the one that was you know key or summed it up i'm not sure uh five the one that got away so that could be a player that slipped through his grasp or a game or a moment or an opportunity bit woolly that one <laughs> uh, six forgotten gem um which does obviously require us all to remember what that might be um seven his greatest success and then eight what is his norwich city legacy and of course we've got steve here as well so we're definitely going to get some um stats in probably <laughs> well you've teed them up now so i can't uh, i have can yeah I? you cannot get away with it and um yeah so any anything that you guys out there and girls listening um wants to throw in terms of any of those we'll get through um and read them out this time because we haven't always managed to do that um but uh, roger mallet says hello from sunny florida which is very nice of him um um can i post that yeah why not the plas the plastic paddy says the best moment was the wink versus ipswich i think that's what that says so um we can write that down ipswich wink that's a good shout isn't it that's a pretty it's good a lot, shout best moment. a lot of shouts a lot of shouts for ipswich wink a lot of love for already that. that's mine done Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, maybe we should stop doing that. We we will try and come up with the with the best one we've got for each category if we can, providing we you know remember some of these um, forgotten <laughs> gems, um, which is a, a rank one for me to put forward. Um, but but starting off, um, guys, we we could have a you know a, a quick think, I suppose, about um, legacy um, and or you know maybe sort of the first things that comes to your mind when you think about Daniel Farker, Chris. You uh, like me had to. Um, Spend a lot of time with him, really, yeah. you, relatively speaking. Yeah, I think we worked out if he, if he 208 games and we spoke to him before and after every one, that means at least 416 interviews on, on Radio Norfolk over the last four and a half years. So there can't be many people who've been on Radio Norfolk as often as, as he has, plus all of the other you know, interviews around friendlies and transfers and things like that. Uh, yeah, and I, I think for me... It, on a, from a professional point of view, he was just a pleasure to deal with. Um, he, he never shirked any questions. He answered everything. You always felt he was being honest. Um, I, I don't remember him ever being caught out in a big way uh, with, with, with anything he'd ever said to us. I think he's, he was probably helped by the fact that it's the first time we'd had a, a head coach rather than a manager. Um, his job was just you know, to be responsible for what was happening on the pitch. Any of the difficult transfer questions or politics questions he, he was well within his rights to say oh that, that's Stuart's bit so I think <laughs> I think because of that fans were able to have more I, I think the relationship the fans had with Daniel Farker because of that he, he was more like a player to them 
because you, you couldn't blame mm. him for a lot of the off-the-pitch stuff. And I think we, we've seen such an outpouring. And I don't remember a, a Norwich manager, head coach, whatever. I don't remember any leaving with this much goodwill, especially after the, let's face it, the poor run of he, he'd had results-wise at the end. And I just wonder if that is because of the the, the setup at Norwich. Um, he, he had that, that separation, didn't he, but away from a lot of the controversial things, that, that the transfers. And it feels like we've... We've, I feel the same as when we said goodbye to Alex Tetti or Mario Vrancic or a player who'd reached the end of their, their natural time with the club in that it's probably right they've moved on. It feels right for various reasons, but this doesn't put anything against what he's achieved for the club before. So whether it's because he's a head coach rather than the, the full-on manager who's in charge of everything, I don't know. But this feels to me more like a, a favourite player leaving rather than a manager. That's really interesting. I suppose, I mean, he's probably the only manager to have left or been sacked certainly after a win <laughs> because if they won they probably tended to get poached well <laughs> so, yeah well that, that is true yeah yeah, um, yeah. as well uh, I mean Steve I won't ask you the question because we did at least you know do it on Monday but um, John Daniel um, you know when when you think of him now it's, <clears throat> it's it's kind of like the almost man I, I've always kind of compared him to like Darren Huckabee because he was phenomenal in the championship <laughs> but as soon as he got to the Premier League he just wasn't that the one that could take it that extra little step. Oh, Hux is going to love that. <laughs> no, right. well, it's, it's kind of true. In, 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 in a way, you won't listen to this. Well, they have to die. So uh, it just, it's kind of a mixture of, 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 of almost. It's that kind of like, we the, the things that he gave us in the championship is was unheard of. The football, the results, the, 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 the records that he broke and just the football that he played and the kind of atmosphere of the club. He, he kind of, brought it from the ashes up into this whole new thing that Norwich has never been before. It's, it's a, it feels like it's a different project that's never been before. And now we're at this point, it never went tipped over the edge. And that was that's kind of the sword that he kind of fell on in the end, wasn't it? It was, I don't know what happened at the end of the Brentford game. Obviously, they made the decision before it. And it's just, it was kind of a sad ending. But what he's done previously was just astonishing. And he'll be a legend for, for, in Norwich City folklore for, for, for the rest, rest of days now. Legend is an overused word, which is an overused cliche, but um, indeed, um, I, I like that very much. Well, I tell you what, to start with you, Steve, Daniel Farker's best moment? Um, I mean, I don't know if I've misunderstood what a moment constitutes, but... I, um, no, don't give me that much. I mean, if, am I, am I allowed, if I'm allowed a, an entire 90 minutes, it, it has to be Man City. It has to be. I, yeah. I just think... Uh, it, it may it may never get any better than that as a Norwich City fan. And if I'm allowed one moment, then perhaps the second goal. Um, but for me, it was the entire 90 minutes. Just um, how totally unexpected that was, especially with what came before it, with all the injuries that they had, particularly at centre-back. I went into that game thinking we have absolutely no chance. And that's the beauty of being a football fan, right, is when you go in thinking it's not going to happen, and then it does. And I suppose there's an element of that on Saturday in, in some respects. Um, <laughs> but the the way that they played, they didn't... Um, they, they played the way that Farker wants them to play, um, which ultimately, I suppose, was kind of their downfall that season. But um, to take on one of the best teams in the world and kind of beat them at their own game, really, um, was incredible. And, you know, someone who sits in the the South Stand, um, I'll readily say that's not normally the most raucous corner of the ground. Um, but everyone... Yes, yeah, sorry. sorry <laughs> apart, from, from apart from John, yeah, present company excluded, obviously. Um, but... You know, I, I I have vivid recollections in that second half because we were defending the river end of the ground, players winning free kicks in their own half, 
and everyone's <laughs> standing up and roaring with like 20 minutes to go because they knew how big it was. Everyone was yeah. invested. Um, so the performance... I punched the air, Steve, for over a throw-in. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. We got a throw-in. Yes! Got a throw-in. Love it. Yeah. It was. I, mean, I remember and- that very vividly. That's that's the kind of game that it was. So it wasn't not just for the performance and the way that we played, but I think that the kind of the the feeling that it evoked in in the ground and and also, if we're talking about the the kind of rain as a whole and legacy, it it kind of that was the peak. It kind of it, it, we, it went up and up and up, and, and then it obviously tailed off in kind of a big way after that. But um, I will never forget that game, and that was all down to Farker and the way he got his players to play and the, as I say the culmination of a brilliant brilliant team I love that that's brilliant um, right uh, I tell you what that seems like a great opportunity to bring in a man who looks like he's about to appear on Big Brother um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Matt Jarvis is here with us um, good evening to you Matt Good evening. Yes. Uh, thank you for my uh, lovely introduction on my chair. Well, that's, <laughs> thank you for bringing that chair onto the pod. Um, I would I would make it a bit, a bit more even. Can I? I, I this is where I'm. Uh, I'm. Yeah, the no. Oh, what have I done? No. Oh, this isn't going to work on the podcast. I don't know how to how to do that. Can I switch and do that? I don't want to do a solo. Don't know how that works. Yeah. So there's just Matt. That's there exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. OK, that maybe doesn't work. There's a screen um, and that's very exciting. So I probably can't do that. Uh, what if I do that? So no, that's not going to do that. Uh, I do, I'll do it when you talk. I'll do it when you talk. It's fine. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Lovely. Um, <laughs> no how, 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 how are you? How have you been? You've been well? Uh, yes, very well. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, enjoying, enjoying, I don't know whether enjoying is the right word, but uh, spending a lot of time at home with the family. Um, good <laughs> half term has been long, but we're all back at school. So it's all good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, I tell you what, um, if we if we go through uh, a few things in terms of Daniel Farker, because you are you know you, you've actually worked as as a player beneath him, I know you didn't yeah. get much opportunity to to um, to maybe show what you could do with him, but um, in terms of what it was like being a, around him as a player, how was it? Um, for me, um, I, I was you know I'm absolutely gutted that I wasn't able to to be I suppose fit. To, to play in his team because I feel like the way I played and the, the style of play that that he has formed at Norwich would have, would have been perfect. Um, him as from when he from when he first took over was such a huge shift from sort of Alex Neil uh, Alan Irvine to to coming in completely changing training methods, um, you know, uh, training times, uh, days off everything about it was completely different. It was a huge sort of uh, shock to the system, I suppose, for everyone. And at the time, he, he did inherited quite a, um, I would say, a, a mix of experienced players and then a lot of young players. Um, and to come into that was was obviously quite difficult. And and he, from day one, is, it, he's, at, he, you know, I, I haven't got a bad word to say about him. He, he's been spot on. Um, he, he's... His training methods were 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 brilliant um, to a degree that it was 
everything was sort of new, fresh. Um, he, he, the way he did uh, training drills. I mean, I'm going to bring it up just because we all love Alex Tessi, so it's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> I think one of the first sort of training sessions we had, we had to do like he set up this just passing drill, and it was like you, you, you know, not not simple, but it was like you dribble through things. You got to pass it here, be at this angle, receive the ball here, and pass. And um, I was in the group with Tets, and he just couldn't get it. Could not for the life of him get it. Um, and like you should have seen, like Daniel Farker's face was just like hands in face. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? And he just was not his player at all. And you could see, and you know, that showed from the first few games, he was not involved at all. And then it just sort of, you know, as we all do, you know what Tets brings to the team. He's he's so good at that that role. And and uh, Daniel Farker realised what what uh, what a player and what he is for the team and, and brought him back in. But it was just that initial, you're just like, he's just got nowhere, not not anything to do with what Daniel Farker wants to do with the ball. Um, but as Tetz always does, he proves people wrong and he got himself in the team and and, uh, and what a guy he is. But that, that's just, that just sums up everything that Daniel Farker was about was trying to improve the team. He had strong opinions. He... Don't get me wrong. He had a few arguments. He had a few disagreements. He put a, you know, he wasn't afraid to to make a decision and 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 stick by it. Um, and then you know that that that's uh, that's for me as a manager, that's really good. Um, you've got to be able to do that. And he did that with a few few players that um, you didn't necessarily think he then players would uh, you would be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm trying to put it here, here there and everywhere so, understood um, understood yeah. so, I mean so, um, so I take that I take that as a positive did you are you surprised that he, he it didn't seem to work for him at Premier League level um I feel like for me I think the first season got promoted um he'd Obviously, the, the team had gelled. They'd all played together in championship and absolutely flew and did so well. And that he gave them, although yeah, everything else around it, there was no budget, there was no this. He gave them all a, a chance at it because none of them had really, there was a few that had, but there's a lot of young players that come through hadn't really played at that, that level. And he gave them all a chance and they repaid him in the sense that he, they carried on the philosophy the, the style of play, the energy, and you saw that. And I, th- I th- even though that yes, conceded so many goals and you know eventually got relegated, I still think people felt at the, at the end of that season that they were going like Norwich City. Yeah, really like watching them. You know, credit to the club. Really, um, you know, great style. Yeah, it, it felt like everyone was like, yeah, do you know what? They gave it a real good go. They just weren't good enough that season. Whereas, you know, you don't want to be like this season. I think he's he's obviously made or the club has made a lot of uh, changes. And, and he, it's, the reason that he's not in a job now is because it's just not worked. Um, and that's that is a shame because the way I always thought that the Premier League would suit his style better than championship because you get in the Premier League. I know this sounds weird, but in the Premier League, you get more time on the ball. It's just harder to do something with. Where the championship, mm. it's all hundred mile an hour. Everyone's you know flying at you, and it's it's a lot harder. And he he managed to you know the the team just played possession based. They kept the ball. They passed around teams. They scored so many late goals because of the fitness levels. Because of teams were just so tired playing against them. Whereas I thought in the Premier League, 
you get more time on the ball. So they would have still have more of possession. They would still be able to pass through lines, but it's just then getting into the final, them final bits of actually having that opportunity to score, then taking it. And I just find that in the Premier League, they've been punished. They've had an someone's had an opportunity and they've scored. Whereas in the Championship, they maybe have got away with it. And I think that's just the ruthlessness of, of the Premier League. Yeah, well said. Uh, I don't know if you guys have got anything you want to um, ask uh, ask Matt while he's here. I put you on the spot. But, no, um, go for it. I mean, um, if, if any of you want to chip in. I think Matt's had enough of my questions spot. today, Mark. It's, it's the second time we've chatted today. I didn't know Matt was going to be on the Yeah. I didn't know well, Matt was going to be on the scrimmage as well, but hey, I love it. That's exactly why we're all friends here, aren't we, Chris? So, I, suppose yeah, that's good. I suppose just run it, Michael. Um, should maybe ask Matt if he had a favourite moment or a favourite game from the from the era, uh, from the Fark, Farker era. Um, to be honest, that that's quite a, a difficult one for me because I, I was never really sort of involved in it in it um, as a player. You know, I was obviously there in the building and doing things. So, but. When you're sort of not actually in the team or or, or even on the bench, you, you, it's hard to sort of get involved in it all. So I, I wouldn't sort of have that um, that image. I mean, obviously, everyone says the Ipswich game that was great. Um, Tim Closer always sticks in my mind because he was some character. I used to sit next to him in the changing room. What a guy! What a guy! I still speak to him now. He's 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 such a a character. I'll have to use that phrase. A character. Um, but but the, the 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 big thing that I've always I've always had a good communication with with him when I first went there. You know, he he always said that he liked my style of play. Thought I'd be great with him, and it unfortunately just didn't happen. But in the point where. I got myself back fit. We we were always still having conversations and it got to the point where it was coming up to Christmas, uh, just well, it was the day before Christmas Day. And um, he, he we sort of had a conversation because I was, you know, hoping to be in the squad. And he basically just said to me, look, we, we you know, there was there was an offer to go to, to Warsaw to go and play some games. And he just sort of sat me in and was like, I would love for you to stay here. Um, I think you're a great character. You're great around the change room. Um, but the team's flying. We've got competition for places and I can't really offer you to say that you'll stay and you'll play. So for me as a manager, I want you to stay. But as a friend and as a human being, I think you you should go. And I just respected his honesty, his like, you know, brutal honesty, to be fair. But um, I think that's all you want as a player. And, you know, he then just made that decision easy for me um, without being like, no, Java, you've got no chance here. You need to go. It was, you know, I would like you to stay, but as a, as a person, as a, as a, a human, I, I want you to go out and, and continue playing. So I've always got that respect levels for him. And, and then whenever I've been with Chris, uh, you know, and, and gone back and seen him, we always have a, you know, a, well, pre-COVID, a, a cuddle and a, a chat. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's 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 it, he, as we're talking about legacy, he he will have a huge, huge legacy. You know what he done at that club at that time period when he first went in to you know pretty much he was almost on the point of potentially getting sacked after <laughs> between two international breaks. I think it was October and November where it was really looking bad to then. He had four games, I think it was, between October and November, and they won all four or won four and drew one and just never looked back. 
and that that's that takes um, a lot of credit to to then turn it all around and then it's just about momentum and what he did and he kept the, the, the biggest thing whether it's a good thing or a bad thing all the players even the championship winning season they were still doing double sessions you know last couple of weeks of the season you know you're still coming back in at four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon to do an afternoon gym session you know what other manager would do that when you're already just about to win the league you're still doing Good. all of this <laughs> no, you know, that, no 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 exactly that just shows you know what the, what the what the guys like it, it was you know it was relentless but it was all for the greater good and and everyone just jumped and jumped on board and that's why a lot of the young players you know are, are flourishing and that's to another one of your questions that I'm going to probably just keep going and going but okay. I'm loving this it, <laughs> his uh, for, for me the the biggest uh, one, one who's the thing who's the who's his greatest or whatever I would it's say anonymous Matt, it's no, anonymous say, player? No, no, no. I'll go no? back. So which one was okay. it? I've got it on my thing for you. Don't worry. And the one so that got away, greatest success? Yeah, greatest success. Max got Aarons. Got Yep. Max, Max Aarons. Aarons. Max Aarons. He, um, he, he brought him in as, as a young kid into, our, into the group, I suppose, just to train with us for a bit. And obviously... He's never, you know, he's never turned back. He's, he's just kept on going and going. And I, I feel like the way that he's learned from tactically, especially, because Max is always going to be able to, you know, just generally training with the first team and then practicing and practicing technique, you're always going to get better. But tactically and positionally and the the way of not just getting the ball and crossing it at full back to to start with, he didn't want crosses. He wanted only wanted cutbacks. So you had to then get in a position to be in that, uh, to be able to do cutbacks. And Max found himself in that a lot. So it's like he he's just progressed and progressed. And he's he, that obviously Max has to take huge credit as well. I'm not chunking that all on Daniel Parker, but he he I think Max is 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 is, is his biggest achievement um, while he was there as a as a player. Matt, um, we're, we're done for time. Thank yeah, you so much for, for coming on. No, it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and we've had loads of comments, by the way, saying how lovely it is to see you. So um, I reckon we'll get you Thank on the you. pod again, um, you know, when it's cool. when we can keep you on for a whole two hours. <laughs> if, yeah. if you'll do Michael, that. Michael, yeah. you want to bid me off and keep Matt on? I do, to be honest, but I've already committed to the other, so it's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, don't sorry. Worry. Thank um, you. Matt, Matt thank, thank you so much. Have a lovely Pleasure. rest of your evening. We'll speak to you soon. What yeah. a top man. Cheers. There he thank goes. You. Um, I'm so glad we had him had him on there because that was that was uh, sensational, lovely stuff. And and you know, greatest success, Max Aaron's. That's a pretty good call, isn't it, gents? Yeah, I think he's still doing the double sessions by the look. Him <laughs> looks amazing, Matt. He's he's looking good. Um, your greatest success um, in in terms of of, of not necessarily a player. Um, something I've messed on, I've mentioned already would be the I think the the, the engagement he had with with supporters. I think that would I wouldn't go for a particular player or a particular moment with that. I just think the way that he had this ability to, you know, the Olays at the end of the Brentford game said it all. The way that he could get yeah. supporters just eating out the palm of his hand. And I don't think, I think that's one of the reasons why he did get a little bit more leeway from, from fans. And even towards the end, as much as on social media, it felt like a lot of people wanted Daniel Farker to go. You didn't get that feeling inside the ground because I think he made so much effort to be part of the club, to let the fans know how important they are. I think there's a lot of football managers, not just at Norwich, but up and down the country who could learn a lesson from that because you do get more time, I think, if, if you're prepared to be that, that generous with the supporters. So that, that to me would be his greatest success, just the engagement that he got and the, um, 
and just his consistency. You know, thought we talked about a season that was 14th in the championship. We talked about promotion, relegation. And I don't know, you, you might disagree, Michael, but I, whenever we spoke to him, just that level of consistency and the, the you knew what you were going to get from him. He was always the same Daniel Farker. And I think that's a that's an underrated trait in football and in everyday life. So that those are my two Daniel Farker successes, I would say. Yeah, he's very consistent at being angry in the dugout as well, I thought. That was like the one <laughs> but we place never felt was... that, did we? No, we didn't. It's amazing how generally quickly it would take a lot for him to be a little bit fraught post-match and it would normally be the official's fault. So so there we go. Um, John, greatest success? Do um, flow I've got... in those? Well, my greatest success is, is to get the people in the Carrow Road crowd not to get angry if the ball went backwards. <laughs> that's been a long time, a, a long, long time. Because it, but the first time, the first three or four games that happened, they were, ah, the people are throwing their arms up. Getting the man next to me was getting extremely angry every time. He did the same <laughs> noise, which was like a wow oh, every single time it did. But people accepted it. They understood there was a different way of playing football, and that's his great success was introducing a different type of football. And people say it's Farkball, like like he, or Farkball that he's like invented this type of thing. He didn't. But he brought it to Norwich and we'd never had this type of football before. And he's got people to used to a new way of playing football. And it's it was a breath of fresh air and it, it brought a lot of success, obviously. That's my that. great success for him. I've got a few other messages, shall we? Um, best moments, Spoon Meat, says the wink. We'll always love the wink. What a day. Um, Adam, my favourite moment was the celebration in the 3-3 against Forest. <laughs> there was a few really good, um, really good moments, weren't there? Um <laughs> Uh, Did you that again, Steve? I like that. What was that? Look at that. Oh. Look at Steve going. Look at him. It doesn't quite have the gravitas, does no. it? But oh, no. Yeah. He's around as well. Um, Robert and Rachel <laughs> Peck. I think I'd struggle to top Man the Man City game. Indeed. Um, the Plastic Paddy back again. Worst moment, admitting we can't defeat the big boys in the Premier League. Um, that's 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 that, yeah that's, that's can a i talk about shout. the wink just really quickly because i did that was my best moment as well only because it was a moment that daniel was completely in charge of everything of himself <laughs> of the game and as of of club because obviously it had the police trying to hold down paul lambert who was like out of control just failing <laughs> crashing burning we were one nil up at the time i think we were but we were again in control of the league we were in control of that game and just everything he was like just that little, it was just enough for him mm. to say, yeah, whatever. I know I'm, I'm, I've got this. And it was very calming as well as, as, as a, a kind of an action. So that was my best moment for him. Love that. Um, okay. So we've, we've done a few of those, but best moment, lowest point, get them in. Um, we've also got favorite memory or analogy, uh, synonymous player, um, uh, the one that got away, that could be a moment, a game or a player or something else. Forgotten gem. We may have all forgotten those. Uh, greatest success and legacy are obviously the the other two. Uh, Steve, do you want to, is, is there something you want to throw in number wise? Well, uh, just as we're on great success, um, mine, uh, and we've had some brilliant suggestions, are probably better than this, but but I think the way he blooded young players in the team is kind of an extension of what Matt's already said, but he, he, used, um, he used 12 academy players players during his time and 14 under 21s i just had a quick look at the age of the starting 11s average age of the starting 11s under the different managers that we've had and it went lambert 26.1 
um, years, obviously. Hewton, 26.9. Adams, 27.8. Neil, 28.2. So it's steadily going up. And then Farker brought the average age of the team back down to 26, so younger than any of those. And I think we'd had for years and years and years this kind of succession of players who are getting older and older and older and they'd been legends for the club, but we'd kind of, kind of reached the end of their shelf life and we needed this regeneration. And we needed a manager that would trust in young players, would have the faith in them to play them in the first place and then improve them as things went on. And there's just countless examples of that. Oh, there I am. Um, there's countless examples of that um, in every single season. You know, we're seeing it again now with Andrew Mabamadeli, but we all know the names, Aaron's Lewis, Godfrey, a lot of them have gone on to bigger things and I, it's fantastic man management. And I, I genuinely think that's that was his biggest success for me. Beautifully said, Steve. I think it's now time that we add our next guest, which is Zoe Morgan. There she is. Hello, Zoe. Hello, Michael. Uh, oh, good. You look wild tonight. Yes. <laughs> I, I had um, someone, I was just wondering if I was getting a, a new head coach update and it was someone um, sending me a message. Um, what on earth am I wearing? Um, which, you know, I did explain at the yeah, top of the enough. show. Fair to my enough. wonderful you know, flat cap from, from the playoff final in Cardiff, as pictured by the EDP at the time, by the way. Um, you know, 10 years before I got a job there. Is that how you got the <laughs> job? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. they thought this guy, this guy needs to be... What a character. Well, this, yeah. <laughs> he could the kind really of character we that. need in the EDP dressing room, I thought. <laughs> Am I Are you after Bellamy? a new job? Are you after a new job now then? Is that why you've no, got that on? No, 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 I'm not. No, Craig Bellamy, <laughs> Simply the Vest. There you go. From, from 1997, 96-7s, no, 98-9. When Bellas scored at Ipswich. Anyway, I've got a. Sorry. Please. I like Chris. That's like, he's poking his head around. Oh, hello, 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 Chris. I know, yeah. I've realised I've been, I've been canaried out of it. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I tell you, what, I can do that, but. You're all at my head. This won't uh, make any sense to our audio listeners. Basically, I'm just, um, I'm just showing people away. Zoe, please talk because you're here. Um, what were you going to say? Well, I was just gonna—I was gonna say I've got a uh, Santa hat that says Jingle Bellamy across the uh, across the front, so it would really go with your vest if you ever that wanted is... to double up, double double Bellamy. Uh, that is strong quite a good marketing. Look. Strong marketing, isn't it? Um, I've, I've got you on. We've got all our, ca- our categories. Do any of them stick out that you'd really like to talk about? Um, there's a few I could probably talk about, but I thought Please. I would maybe talk about one I don't think anyone's mentioned yet, which is the player that's most synonymous with Parker. Nice. Um, and I'm going to remind everybody about the wonder that is Marco Stieperman um, and go on a bit of a Stieperman journey with everybody. Can't wait. Um, I'm writing it down. And I feel like he really is sort of the ultimate Farker player. He was signed. Nobody really knew who he was. He'd had a lot of promise as a youngster maybe wasn't living up to that promise. We signed him first season. What was going on? <laughs> Very much <laughs> similar to the rest of the team. Played him at left back. Maybe could see some promise in him as a footballer, but weren't quite sure if it was ever going to come to anything. Um, then we obviously get into the magical season. Um, and and Stieperman is a real central figure to that. I think his contribution to that season was you know, it often goes sort of a bit under the radar when you compare it to Buendia and Pukki and, and everybody else. But Stieperman was that kind of enforcer. Uh, he was making things happen. He was causing trouble. He was being a bit bit silly, a bit sort of 
getting himself out there. And I think that the sort of chaos that he created um, was really kind of, I guess, symbolic of, of what Farker wanted in that team. Of they, they wanted to shake things up a bit. They wanted to play slightly differently to everybody else. They wanted to have an impact. And, and you know, he's sort of got madder and madder as as everybody sort of warmed to him. And, and it's just this wonderful character of the celebrations we got towards the end of the season that obviously we had the... Uh, the crab. Uh, we had a Tim Closer's nose, I think, at one point because yeah. Closer was out of the side. Um, the Salmon. fish, the yeah. fish. Yeah, I mean, absolutely magical stuff. Um, and I think, he, yeah, he's just really sort of. I suppose he kind of runs in parallel with that that Farker time. I think he's also maybe sort of also is reflected in that sort of step up to the Premier League. Maybe couldn't quite find his way couldn't find work quite work out how to cause that chaos in the Premier League. Um and then everything obviously got a bit sad after that, yeah. which is where we've all ended up now. So <laughs> I think you've summed that up perfectly, Zoe. And and I, there were a couple of games where he was very good at left back, by the way. Sheffield United away when 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 we won up there, I think was that when Yannick Wiltshut scored the only goal That's the one yeah um, mm-hmm. early on he, played he was very well, good um, left back in that day on that day hull at, hull at home i feel like he had a really good performance from left back as well oh. i feel like there was a lot of goals in that game and he was well, he was causing some havoc but i he might was be born wrong. to born to score goals <laughs> um famously that's a lovely one um guys while zoe's on have you got any other tournaments well, some nominous players <laughs> Funnily enough, um, I went with a player who's got nearly as many M's in as you just put in synonymous there, but <laughs> Michael. I, I went with Zimmerman for, for similar reasons, really, because I think you, you, almost the career path of, of Daniel Farker and, and Christoph Zimmerman, they're just linked, aren't they? they mm-hmm. When they signed, we both thought, oh, this German bloke from, from the British Dortmund second team, is he going to be any good? And they both became crowd favourites, but... By the end, really, but both would say that they it never really happened for them in the Premier League. I think both Christoph and and Daniel Farker, and, and it's actually been it, it almost Christoph Zimmerman has gone from the, the Zimbo Appreciation Society being one of the main players, one of the real crowd favourites, to almost people don't talk about him now, do they? Sadly, and we, we've got Andrew Bummer Daly doing so well. You've got Grant Hanley, you've got Ben Gibson back there, and people have almost forgotten that he's still at the club, which is a real shame because he's been injured for so long. So I'd, I'd like to think he's got another. You know, in a few few Norwich City performances in him, but at the minute you would say his time with Norwich City has almost gone exactly in 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 the same direction as as Farkas, wouldn't you? Fair point. Um, okay, Steve, you. Um, I mean, I've gone very obvious to be honest, because um, I think the other two are probably better. But I was going to say Pookie, um, purely because I think he was he was signed, well, obviously signed for free, as we all know, and signed as somebody that wasn't necessarily expected to be our main centre forward that season, but Farker's tactics were malleable enough that it allowed, he gave him that opportunity and really he took off as our season took off that that year um, and 70 goals under the same manager, that, that's more than Grant Holt scored under, under Paul Lambert and I would say those two feel pretty synonymous with one another. Um, and again, maybe the argument is not quite at the Premier League level as uh, as much as he dominated the Championship. So, yeah, uh, for me, for me, it's it's Timu. Love that, John. You're next up. My, mine was Steeperman, and if I could come oh. anywhere close to what Zoe just did, I would try. But I'm not even going to get anywhere close. <laughs> just, he he was he was <laughs> a number ten that who would even we haven't replaced that kind of we could, really we could all do it. interesting yeah. number ten. Player. Go on, Chris. Come on, Chris. That was, oh, we'll do something. <laughs> Everyone's doing crab, crab dance. We are listening, John. We are listening, John. 
You'd already said that Zoe did it better, so we just stopped. Exactly. I'll just do do more crab things. There we go. (laughs) Keep doing that in the background while I show. There you go. Sam W. uh, Zimbo is a great shout. I'd forgotten he's still around. Um, There we go. Oh, Plastic Paddy's gone. James Husband as an anonymous player. (laughs) I I, I think he might be better for Forgotten Gem. Anonymous player, maybe. A what? Anonymous player. Anonymous player. Sorry. Wasn't he, Steve, you'll know this, wasn't he the only player who was in the starting 11 on both of Farker's first two seasons? James Husband. I think he might have been. He was. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. He doesn't know. He makes it all up. Birmingham was his last game. I've got my spreadsheet. I think everyone was out as well for the head of the Birmingham game. Um, FPL Seb's gone with Marcel Franca. I mean, we're getting a bit very kind. This isn't very kind at all. Stop it, guys. Um, uh, uh, let's see if we've got any more. Um, I, I mean, I was going to say, oh, look, Dave, Dave Rogers. Come on now. Um, that's Philip Heiser. Philip Heiser. Um, I mean, I don't know if these are all his recruits, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um, I've, I've had uh, a message in, Michael. Hey, what? I won't oh. say who from. I've had a message in. I'm, I'm like on. No, don't don't get too excited, everybody. <laughs> on um, like on the on transfer deadline day. I won't. It's from a mutual person that we both know, Michael. Okay, Chris. What is Michael wearing? Just watching this podcast. <laughs> well, I tell you what. They Talk of probably, the town. Should probably find something better to do. That's what I reckon. Go and find something better to do. You probably uh, should you, be busy. You've taken um, the internet by storm, Michael. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Um, uh, so there we go. I'm just seeing if we've got any more synonymous players, but, um, I mean, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, Emmy Buendia because, um, he didn't win many games without him, but maybe that that's, that's also fairly harsh. But I think, I think, you know, so much is sort of centered around Emmy Buendia's reign. Obviously it's began when, uh, Emmy Buendia's time at the club, I should say, began obviously, um, and ended during Daniel Farker's, um, rain so um i suppose that's one shout but i don't think it's as good as, as some as some we've had from you guys so uh, we'll move on from then um zoe did you want to um contribute to any of the other categories um before we let um, you enjoy the rest of your thursday evening is it thursday i think it is thursday okay. yeah um uh, i would i guess i'll talk about his legacy maybe um and just and, and just really talk about the thing that he identified throughout the whole of his time at the club which was that football is supposed to be fun um and I think a lot of the time we forget that this is the case. You know, it's supposed to be what we do to separate ourselves from real life. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be something that we find joy in. Um, and I think Farka, f- from the very start, sort of clarified that to everyone and reminded us all that you don't have to take it that seriously. You can go to enjoy the football you can go to watch people that are trying to play really good football and sometimes that will work and sometimes it won't. And I think that, you know, that especially in the Premier League and perhaps this was why he found it a bit jarring is that it seems almost sometimes it feels almost entirely impossible to find joy in the Premier League because it's so serious. Every game is so important. You know, the, the teams from about eighth downwards are all just trying not to lose every week because that you know it's so serious for them whether they get relegated or not relegated because of all the money um and i think you know wh- why the championship is such a good league and why farka probably enjoyed it so much is because there's this sense of you don't quite know what's going to happen at any given moment um and that was kind of what he he seemed to thrive on that kind of unknown the constant well you know leave it right until the end because you never know what's going to happen um and i think whatever happens next and however much worse the season gets or hopefully it gets better like it's always I think it'll be a really good reminder to think about 
sort of what he would have said about a lot of these games of, of just trying to enjoy it and you know they want to put on a show for us and they want us to enjoy it and I think um yeah I think that was just the most special part of what he did over the last few years was really just talk about football as entertainment rather than the most serious thing that you can possibly think of well, um, Zoe, I, I think um, this podcast would have been incredibly succinct and wonderful had you been on for the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> we, um, thank you so much for coming on and saying such beautiful words and, and adding, no to our, adding to our Farka Legacy special. Thank um, you for having me on. Uh, we'll see you on a, on a proper pod soon. All righty. Enjoy yourselves. Top stuff. Have a lovely evening, Zoe. Thank you so much. Bye, there everyone. we go. Waves or steepy, steepy crab signs, I suppose, whichever. <laughs> there we go. Um, how lovely to have Zoe on. Um, um, and well said for all of that. Um, what was I it going to bring when up? When she comes on, you said, oh, well, we'll have you on a proper pod one day. So what's, what's this then? Yeah. <laughs> this is, a, this is the <laughs> Daniel the Farkin guest? legacy special, oh, okay. Chris. Sorry, okay. <laughs> legacy special. Um, Scrapings. Yeah, we're scraping the barrel, aren't we? How long are we going? Where are we? What day is it? Um, I, I was going to say something. Um, uh, in terms of one of our uh, points, and I can't remember what I was going to say now. So, um, oh yeah, let's uh, let's see if we've got any more messages. Is a good point, um, and then we'll maybe go through some of the um, some of the categories we've maybe not quite touched on. Um, Sam W. <laughs> Sam W. My other half just walked into the room and seeing the screen asked, "What's happened to Michael Bailey?" <laughs> Tried to explain. So just said it's a Norwich thing. Well, I'm sure that explained it, Sam. Good out. Um, Hurley King about to do some exercise. That's what I've, I've got from it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I'd take that. Uh, ben Trafford. I'll always remember that Chelsea game in the cup, uh, away from home, obviously. And the third round of the FA Cup, wasn't it? The replay went to extra time and then penalties. Angus Gunn played well. Jamal Lewis scored in what, the last minute of extra time, it was wasn't it? Normal time. Was it? Normal time. Yeah. And then there were lots of sendings off, weren't there? It got yeah, it was we, um, that game. Yeah, like the, I think that's the first game I went to where there was any VAR involvement, and it was really oh, confusing. Yeah. And oh, we, the best thing about that is Norwich was so good at Chelsea, we delayed the ten o'clock news. There was, um, do you remember? Was it Hugh, I think it was Hugh Edwards tweeted with his arms folded, sat on the desk, saying, "Well, because it was live on BBC One, we had to delay the ten o'clock news." And that's a really good shout, actually, because yeah. when you compare what Norwich did in that game to their most recent visit to Chelsea. Does that, I was going to say the same when Zoe was talking there, does that not point where you know, Daniel Farker did change a little bit, where he slightly lost his way in terms of us going to Stamford Bridge as a championship team and not being scared and really taking them on, whereas this time the feeling was, well, you know, we're self-funded team in the Premier League, we've got no chance mm. here. There, there was a bit of a change, wasn't there, whether whether he meant there to be or not, that the way that he spoke and the way that his teams approached games like that as, as time went on. It's a great shout. And and also that first season, they went to the Emirates in the League Cup oh, and took Arsenal yeah. to, in fact, they were 1-0 up, weren't they, with about yeah. five minutes to go? Yeah. Well, did it go, tra- I think it did go to extra time, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they did score both goals. Yeah, that's right, he did, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, Todd Cantwell's debut as well. I mean, um, there's probably a good shout. I, I, I can tell you, for all of the um, suspected fallings out since, um, no one believed more in Daniel, in Todd Cantwell than Daniel Farker at the football club. Um, it, I don't know when Todd would have made his debut had Daniel not been the boss, I have to be honest. so um, That's true, because he's I, older than you think, isn't he, Todd? You know, he's not... Yeah, he's 24? Too old, yeah, because he's really too old for England under 21. So it, it needed somebody at that point in his career to really believe in him and, and put him in, and he did that. And that, that definitely was his debut that night, yeah. Love it. Um, okay, well, we've, we've had a few best moments. We've... we've lowest point... Um, I mean, I've got one, but so I. <laughs> shall, I, shall I be do, shall I be the doom merchant on this one? Go on. Well, we won't spend too long on it, but let's. Go. No, the lowest point for me is something that I don't think has ever properly been explained, and that is what happened in Project Restart. 
How did we go from this team that was taking Tottenham to, to penalties and beating them, beating Leicester in the Premier League, to when it all came back again, just being relegation fodder, losing all, all of the games, only scoring one Premier League goal, being absolutely swept aside? I don't... That that was two different Norwich teams. and I, I, It was almost as if Norwich didn't think the season was going to start again and all the rest of the Premier League teams mm. did. And I, I don't feel as if anyone's ever properly sat down and said, look, that, what really happened there? Because it was so... That's probably the... the <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a dreadful time anyway, wasn't it? Because of everything else that was going on and behind closed doors. And, and it, it was an awful, awful time. But I've never been so so sad watching Norwich City play than, than during Project Restart, part because of everything that was going on, but Agreed, just the yeah. standard of the football as well. And I, I don't, I still haven't ever fully got my head around what happened there. Go on. I, then I, think, I mean, I have an I, have a, I, I could yeah, go on. You know, guess, but I mean, I, I, it was almost like, it was almost like because they had lost at Sheffield United um, and, and that put them, what were they, six points, I think, off the, either survival or the next team, I can't remember. That sort of, and then the time they'd been away, it just built it up to the fact that they had to get something out of the Southampton game. It was like that mm, mindset that got into their head. And then Daniel Farker went 4-4-2, which he'd never played before at the starting point. And, and then they just got beaten 3-0, which was actually a really heavy defeat. And it's yeah. just like the whole circumstance and then as you said everything everyone had been through they then sort of seemed to sort of bin it off really quickly yeah yeah they did because um, they get because i know they were adrift and i know we all thought they were probably going to go down but the fixtures they still had the home games they still had mm. even behind closed doors you felt there's a chance here especially if they could recapture that sort of form we'd just seen at tottenham and against leicester and I've, i still feel a bit let down by project well, restart, no you're right and, and also i don't think you can ever just say that that was a normal season you have to say that those last 10 games were completely out of keeping with yeah. everything that had gone on before and in fact if you're looking at a point where things changed i i know last championship season was wonderful but they did have a very strong squad in a in a championship division that had been really badly hit mm. by what had gone on and there were no crowds to influence things beyond the quality of the teams that were put out um, I don't know ever it was ever really the same from the moment of the coronavirus pandemic, but you know maybe that's something an asterisk to put in the le- in the legacy. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Um, uh, what other ones? Sorry, I brought everyone down now, haven't I? No, I loved it. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, we had to talk about it. my lowest point was going to be Watford at home uh, in the second, or, well, in the second half, but just from from trying to put the pressure on that game to get a reaction to it not happening. It was the first time where I thought. Because everything, you kind of had this leeway of it's okay, they've learned, you know, they will get there. Right up until those four games where there were always caveats, there were always things that would make it seem like we'll get to a point where there will be a proving point and they will prove it. And they got to that point and they lost and they were incredibly careless. And even the selection of the team, I think, was was dubious because it was a hell of a risk to put Ozan Kabak in having not played. I just think that moment was was probably the lowest point because it just was the point where it truly unraveled, I think. And I don't think it, it was like the no the point of no return, really. Oh, that's depressing, isn't it? Um, anyone have any any any, any lowest points? Does anyone have any or positive lowest points? Yeah, any? I've got a positive yes. lowest points. Go His lowest point was the first ever league game he was in charge. Can you remember it? what it was? Nelson. It, it was Injury Nelson Oliveira attacking yeah, yeah. him, basically. With a, <laughs> yes. That was literally his opportunity. How would he take that? Would he like... He kind of let it brush over him, but from that point, it was just upwards. That's my lowest point. Wow. I mean, I had that as a forgotten gem. I had it as a forgotten gem. John hasn't forgotten. (laughs) No, good. Good. Well done. Uh, Steve? Uh, I mean, I'm about to bring the mood down again, I think, because I'm going right to the opposite end. Uh, I'm going to say Leeds at home. 
the weekend before last because it just felt like it felt like the end and and the you know zoe talking about football being fun it was it it, it just felt like he'd abandoned those principles and that for me was the point of no it it was though i said actually uh, literally actually was and it was because we know the decision was made after that game even though it wasn't his last game in charge so yes is it um okay this is lovely uh the one that got away I don't really know what that is. Is there a player who got one? I mean, I suppose well, I, having to sell I, James Madison. Yeah, well, I've come up with something for this. Um, oh, good old Chris. For the one that got away, which takes me back to my favourite pet, pet subject of Project Restart. And that is the <laughs> FA Cup. Because I thought mm. we were going to win it that year when when oh. Tim Crawl took us through against Tottenham, and then we got that match. I thought, here we go. This is you know we're going to we're going to yeah. penalty shoot out our way to the final. Tim Crawl, the hero every way. <laughs> and I thought I'd, I'd made up my mind. I thought it would just be such a Norwich City thing to do is to win the FA Cup the one year it was behind closed doors. I, I, I decided that was definitely <laughs> what was going to happen. So I was I was stunned when we got knocked out by Manchester United in the quarterfinals because oh. in my mind that we were there, we were going to win it and nobody was going to be there to see it. And it would be one of those things that we'd be pleased about, but a bit sad about for years to come. So right, that's sure. the one that got away from me. He could have, he could have, you know, he wasn't that far away. He's got as close as anyone has in, you know, 30 years to, to actually yeah. bring in the FA Cup to Norfolk. So that, for me, that's the one that got away. But also missing out on a quarterfinal at home and a yeah, full house. Missed, I, I, oh, can you imagine what that would have been like? It would have been brilliant. And I've never yeah. experienced that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, great shout, Chris. I don't even know who won it that year. Who won it? Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal. Oh, <laughs> Didn't they, they beat Frank Lampard's Chelsea in the final? Oh, it's they Breaking news. Oh, no, Frank, <laughs> Less of that. Well, the Do one we really that want to give away me, our I, entire identity? Okay, I think there's a collection of the one that got away from me. It's, and it's all the players that we never had a chance to say goodbye to. So, Onel Hernandez. There was uh, Steeperman, obviously. Vrancic. Tetty. There's so many players that we never had a, that kind of little collection of players who were... Getting on a bit, I guess. Well, I'm not O'Neill, but but there was that kind of little that little place we never got a chance to say goodbye to, and that's the, my that's my. Oh, yeah, that's to a that, great point, John. And what about the fact that nobody, not not all, well, very few Norwich fans ever saw Ollie Skip actually play for the club. No. Yeah, and no. he's a player who we we think so much of, and we we regard mm. as a you know someone who we've really missed this season. Never had his own song, and he with a name like mm. Oliver Skip, that's crying out for it, isn't it? And John, <laughs> I'm sure you would have come up with one, you know, if if you'd been there in. in he is a snong smith. He's a snong smith. <laughs> he, he's, he's I know all my um, But uh, but yeah, so you've got players like that who uh, actually came and and will be looked back on as as you know really good Norwich City players. One of the best loan signings we've had. What he gave for us in the championship, and not many people got the chance to watch him play <sighs> I, I did get Mario Vrancic is on my list of synonymous players I have to say sorry Steve are you about to say something then uh, well I was just going to say my one that got away it's kind of a, a difficult one to think in terms of what might have been because when we've been good we've been really good when we've been bad we've been really bad I think we put it down to one single moment as to why we got relegated a couple of years ago but again to, to put it onto one game I really felt there was that run of home games. Um, Sheffield United was in there, Spurs, mm. Arsenal, Palace. We had the lead in all of them. Wolves. The one, that's the one I was going to oh, say. Shit, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, you kind of bl- I, I built it up, Michael. And I've sworn. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's been that. a long week. <laughs> Does that mean we can swear? No. That game was, no, no. no. Um, I, 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 we absolutely battered them in the first half. A really good Wolves side. And we went in 1-0 up. And then it was almost... It was just like the archetypal game for that season because we gave away two really annoying sloppy goals. The winning goal was just a kind of loopy cross back post header. And we those games felt critical at that time um, and that kind of culminated in the, the way it ended up going. But um, 
yeah, I actually look back at those games to the start of the season with some fondness being like, well, at least we were performing in those matches. But yeah, they that felt like one that got away from me. Emmy was sensational in that first half. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. You can still watch all the clips on, on oh, video. What, yeah. what a player. Um, okay, this is this is wonderful stuff. Um, I mean, Southampton at home, Project Restart is probably one that got away because that was going to be a huge game. There was going to be a full house. Southampton were in awful form. Norwich win that. They're three points off, you know, final. But it, it had to wait three months for it to take place. But there were other things on. So there we go. It's, it's that asterisk again, isn't it? I tell you what, it's probably time to bring in our third and final guest because I've kept him waiting for a very long time. And he, he's such a wonderful human, uh, in the words of Daniel Farker. Um, but I believe that too. Uh, let's bring in the wonderful Dan O'Hagan. There he is. Hello. Hello, Dan. We'll do a Marco Stephen Crabs. We, we <laughs> Hello, guys. Good evening. everyone on the pod. Lovely to see you, Dan. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad at all. Um, just a bit of a shocking week, really. It was all kind of just. It felt really flat when we heard the news on Saturday, and um, yeah, I think we all. It's we all kind of feel a bit hollow. I think after the weekend, don't we? Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. The, the line's a bit sticky there, and I don't know if that's my Wi-Fi or or yours, but um, we'll 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 persevere. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, let's get let's get you copped in here. Um, I, in terms of Dan, I mean, in terms of Daniel Farco when he when he came in, obviously, and and what he's done since, I mean, you, how how is it surprised you compared to where he's come from and 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 that level in terms of where he was in Germany? I think what he did, he came in and he opened our eyes to a different way to play football in England. Um, he showed that even in the second tier, there is a chance to bring players in from abroad to play a certain way, to play a different way in the Championship. Um, you know, okay, we saw Wolves in what um, seventeen eighteen play great football under under Nuno, but I think Daniel Farker the next year took that to a whole different level. Um, and I, you know, I've watched the Championship now for for years and years and years. I've never seen a team play that well and that consistently at that level as in that first promotion season under Daniel Farker with with Norwich. Um, so he opened our eyes. Um, the way Norwich played in his two promotion seasons, I think was incredible. And it's just a crying shame that at the higher level, he was just exposed a bit Um, because the joy, it was a word used by Zoe, I think the joy and the fun of Daniel Farker's two promotions at Norwich um, was something quite incredible. And I've always said that Norwich, it's a place where when the team is playing well and being successful, the, the whole place has a lift I think for Farkas, four and a half years, for the bulk of that time, um, the city had a smile on its face. Absolutely. Well said indeed. Um, we've got a few um, messages coming in as well that I'm just going to throw them up. Adam says, Francic was my favourite player from the Far career. What a tank and haircut. What a beautiful human being he was. Jason, and, in, and still is, I have to say, probably the best looking man in Stoke. Um, Jason's, uh, Jason Styles says, a skip song would have been to the tune of We Hope It's Chips. <laughs> do, we, do we know what that song is? Chris, do you sound like I you know what that song yeah, is? Yeah, I think I do. I'm not going to sing it, but I think oh. I do. Does anyone know it who can sing it? Dan, got a mic. I don't know it. Don't it was know. the advert. It was the, it was the McCain's chips. chips advert, wasn't yeah. it? We, we yeah. hope it's chips. It's chips. Oh. Isn't it oh, case okay. sera actually? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Someone has said that. Someone has said that. Yeah. There we go. Ski jump toes. That's it. Hope it's chips. Lol, that song is case sera. Yeah. Holy skip. How does that work? Oh, well, it's too late. I don't know even why I'm reflecting on it. It was too sad. Spoon Meat says he his lad was mascot at that game. Tets hit the post. Wolves. Do we know which game that was we were talking yeah, about? Tets hit the post against Wolves in that game. 
that's the one. Absolutely. Uh, Luke Jackson, Mario Vanchard, so underrated. That guy saved us so many times. 3-3 three, 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 Forest. Oh, yeah, that's a fair one, isn't it? Oh, and Joshua Shreve has worst moment. Millwall away, Farker first season, that 4-0 <laughs> defeat. Which, Dan, I mean, that was a proper, like, wow, these guys have got no clue what they're trying to do here, have they? Because it was literally like Harrison Reed um, screening the entire width of the pitch um, and Marcel Franca, uh, uh, you know, just looked a bit lost. It was obviously Russell Martin's final game for Norwich, but there was so much wrong besides Russell well not even it, not even besides Russell Martin like he was probably the last thing wrong with that game really it was it was everything else to a degree yeah it was a slow start and um, you know i was told in that first season um how close farker was to walking away because um i was told that farker at that point would read every social media post every forum post every tweet oh and obviously took it personally <laughs> and he felt at one point that the whole city hated him and he, and he couldn't go out socially um, and he, he, I was told he was very close to, you know, walking away from it all. Um, but luckily, you know, he had a change of heart. The, the club as well did make the decision to get rid of him. And obviously what, what happened after that was, was historic. But uh, I was told, yeah, he was really close in that first autumn when it was all going wrong for him to saying enough's enough. You know, I, I can't. It's not working for me. And Good. Um, yeah, imagine yeah. if that had happened. Wow. wow. Imagine mm. that. I, think and I, I guess. Oh, go on, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting talking about that as a low point. It's one of those examples where actually a heavy defeat came at a good time. It's a bit like a Colchester 7-1, isn't it? In that you have a defeat that is horrible to watch and, and you think about for years afterwards, but it's only because of what it led to. Because, Michael, you you might remember this. Isn't that Wasn't that the last game before they signed Grant Hanley? Yeah. And then that was the game that inspired Alex Tetty to come back into the side, wasn't it? So it, it was one of those where it, it was a line in the sand. Things have to change from here which um, I suppose we had recently with the Chelsea game as well, didn't we? We knew after that game, you know, nothing's going to be the same again from here. Something is going to change. And lo and behold, within a couple of weeks, it had. So I I think it it felt like a low point at the time, but probably some good came of it. Essential learning, I think it was, because I think uh, Eddie Rima was in the the toilet, the uh, away dressing room uh, crying (laughs) or just in the toilet. I think he locked himself away at the end of that game because it was like, woof. And... um, and yeah, you're right. I think they decided to sign Grant Hanley after that game. Uh, I think Alex Tetty was on the bench on that game. He might have come on really late on, but he definitely started the game after that. And that was, it was like, you're going to have to play him, Daniel, because if not, he's not going to work. Um, Dan, you've seen our long list of things. Are there any that stick out that you want to throw some uh, late um, things into? I think moments, um, defining moments. I think you think back to the Leeds win in the first promotion season. I think um, that game for me was the one when the whole nation saw this team was the real deal and promotion was a a thing. So I think to go to Leeds and to get the result there at that point of the season, it was a big statement from Norwich. But also, as I say, nationwide, I think it just made the whole country look up and see that this Norwich team under Daniel Farker, who'd come from nowhere, were really the kind of the real deal and were a a real force in that division. Great shout. And Tom Tribal's best game for the club as well and you know another Norwich uh, Daniel Farker signing and potentially synonymous player we could throw into the mix couldn't we and as um, as I'm going to throw this one actually Crisp has said uh, his one that got away was Ipswich beating us until Big Tim's forehead intervened which I think we have sort of mentioned but it deserves a, a proper mention because that that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen at a football match because that was supposed to be it and Daniel Farker is another manager who never lost to Ipswich so you know it's, um, there we go um, brilliant stuff Dan um, 
any other ones you want to throw in? I mean, I, I suppose his legacy is a really interesting one, isn't it, in terms of from the football club? I mean, you've obviously spent a lot of time covering this club in this area, but also you have a very good handle on the football world in general. So you can probably gauge, A, what it means for people here, but also what it looks like from an outside view. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to people in Germany, they are now aware of Norwich. Um, they did follow Daniel Farkas time at Norwich pretty closely, um, especially obviously the two years in the Premier League. Um, but um, yeah, I think his legacy is um, to just show that things can be done differently, that um, clubs with not a huge amount of money can, can, if they recruit properly, play a certain way and get success playing that way. Um, okay, in the Premier League, it didn't quite work out for him. But I wonder where he'll go next, because I, I reckon he'll be in a job in the Bundesliga now before the end of this season, certainly. And I think his next step will be a really interesting one to kind of see just where he goes now in his career. Because obviously four and a half years at club now is a very long time to spend for a coach um, at a club. So um, he'll be on the radar now of clubs in the Bundesliga for sure. We'll kind of see what his next step is. It's brilliant stuff, Dan. Um, let me get through just a few more um, messages on here as my pen rolls off the desk. Um, FPL Seb, Harrison Reed played very well for Fulham last season. We shouldn't have let him leave. Um, which I suppose it was the end of his loan. So it was probably little Norwich could have done, but uh, he did do well. And it's not probably a surprise that he's gone on to do things, uh, do well since as um, afterwards. Um, Whichever ones have we got? I don't want to go over some um, other messages as well. Um, Steve, have you got any more stats (laughs) while I try and look for some comments? Well, I was just going to say, actually, while we're on the comments, somebody has actually asked any club in Germany where Dan thinks Daniel may end up. Oh, good shout. Right now, there's no vacancies, but um, I think his success has been such that it would be certainly, obviously not a Bayern or Dortmund yet, but certainly um, a Leverkusen, a Wolfsburg, um, a Borussia Mönchengladbach level of club. Um, But yeah, we'll have to see. Obviously, those clubs have all got new managers or or coaches in place who are fairly secure right now. But um, I think he's a coach now of a level that um, he's above the kind of Augsburgs and the Mainzes and clubs of that ilk. And he will feel that he's earned his spurs to get, get a crack now at a, at a club who'll challenge for certainly top six, if not the Champions League in, in, in the Bundesliga. Well, uh, Jez Davies has put in that there are rumours in Germany Farker's going to Schalke, which would be Bundesliga two. Yes, but obviously a club of enormous potential, um, yeah. a club that's really had three or four years of, of constant decline. And it's a project. And the guy who turns that club around has got a great job because Schalke are a colossal football club who just need that momentum. Obviously, we've seen in this country teams who go down and get sucked in like Sunderland, like even Ipswich. Um, But Schalke club, if they did bounce back quickly, this is their first season in the second tier. uh, The coach who does that will kind of have them on a real upper trajectory and um, it could be a good job. Obviously, there are links with him and Dortmund, so that might be an issue um, going <laughs> forward. But, um, but you, you know, you never know. Uh, it didn't get in Paul Lambert's way, did it? So, you know, <laughs> let's move on. Um, uh, Alan Montgomery says, one that got away, Farker not getting to play with a prime Wesley Houlihan. I mean, that, that's almost something, isn't it? That, that Wes Houlihan's final game was under Daniel Farker. That almost mm. seems a bit weird in my head that those two... Yeah, um, it, it's a bit like the closer against Ipswich, isn't it? That doesn't feel like it was Daniel Farker. No. Because but, but they feel like different times, but it was. I mean, Chris, it's going to be very strange the end of the next game. You're going to do a post-match interview and it's not going to be with Daniel Farker as head coach. Yeah, it is it is strange, isn't it? You, as we said earlier, you, you do build up. You can't help but build up a bit of a rapport, a bit of a relationship with these people that you're speaking to so often. So, And then they're gone, aren't they? You never really get the chance to say a proper goodbye. They just disappear and it's somebody else next. We've, we have seen it so many times, haven't we? 
We have indeed. It's going to be weird, as as will the pre-match press conference over Zoom um, as well. Um, maybe it'll be with Steve Weaver. That's exciting, eh? Oh, I'm not going to talk about it. I did say I'm not going to talk about it. Um, ski jump toes here. Hey, you should touch on the backroom staff, as you haven't yet, which is a very good point. So thank you for that, because I would have forgotten. Um, they were a big part of uh, a big part of Daniel Farker. Uh, what were they like as individuals? Um, well, I mean, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Eddie Reamer and speaking to him a few times, um, and I found him a really warm, calm guy. I, I think, um, I don't know, probably probably a nice conduit between the players and Daniel Farker, but probably not that one was really needed because I think Daniel was pretty good at having those relationships himself. So as a double act, it wasn't like your good cop, bad cop or anything like that. I just felt like they were, they were probably a very tight knit um, group. And um, I have a lot of time for Chris Domagala because I think he had to, I think he, he was learning quite a lot while he was in the job, but really lovely guy. And, and maybe, you know, I think he was probably the one whose family were actually over here and properly embedded in, into Norfolk life. So, if you were going to think about the one that maybe it's hit hardest, it, it may be maybe Chris, but can't help but wish them all really well because they were all really good guys. And I know a lot of that sometimes just gets said, but um, I don't remember just saying that. I'm normally pretty honest. <laughs> and in this instance, I think they were all genuinely good guys. So you sort of wish them all the best. And, and, and um, you know, it will be really fascinating, won't it, where they, where they do end up next. So we'll be keeping a, we'll be keeping a key eye on that. Um, I think we're pretty much there, really. Uh, Dan, I think I'll let you go because you've, you've done a great job and you've got a gig, haven't you, this evening? Yeah, 2 a.m. kickoff, Peru, Bolivia in the World Cup qualifiers, live on, <laughs> from, on Premier Sports later on. So if you want to watch that at 2 in the morning, then, of course, you're more than welcome. That is amazing. <laughs> what a life you lead. I love it. Uh, you know great. what? I might actually definitely do that now. So top man. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us this evening, Dan. There he goes. What a, what a top man he is. Um, and then there were us four... We've been going for an hour. Um, I think we've been doing a pretty good job here, boys. So we should probably wrap up um, wrap up our, our things really now, shouldn't we, um, with where we were. I think we've been through through them all. Is there anything left to, to add yeah. in or have we kind of done it all? Uh, can I just put Jordan Rhodes as a forgotten gem? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I had absolutely. forgotten about initially. I think we all thought that, he, that would, he'd come here permanently, didn't we, at the end of it, and it just never quite yeah. happened. Oh, I, I think he did. Rhodes. You'd have loved to. Yes, Jordan. I think you did. Yeah. Um, that's a great shout for Forgotten I think Gem. Everything else, I think we've, um, yeah, it's been, uh, I think it was, it was quite four and a half years. The, the only thing I was saying was someone brought up the Leeds game. And I know it's difficult to say to you and uh, Chris and to Michael, where were you on that day? Because I know you both know where you were. <laughs> but, for, but, but for fans, I know exactly where I was, what I was doing that game. It, it felt like a, a special moment, that Leeds game. Going 3 0 up, and it, we, I was expecting the other way around. I was expecting the defeat. And when it was the opposite, we just absolutely blew them away. And I was expecting the Leeds, last Leeds game at Carrow Road. I was expecting us to go at it really because the way that we built the game up and then to lose it to the end. So that was a kind of a very high and a very low kind of moment for and it happened to be Leeds. Oh, I hate Leeds. Leeds has come up a lot, hasn't it? There's a lot of defining Leeds. moments seem to have happened against Leeds, like Wes's yeah. goal and everything. And then yeah. the, the end game. Um, just just a, something I was looking at, Michael, because I, I just went back to have a look at some of the games. And 18-19, I swear to God, we will never, ever, ever have a season anything like that again, as long as we're all living. And I was looking at like, not even the eight game run. And this doesn't even include the Millwall game, which I haven't even touched on either, the 4-3. This run of matches, right? Um, Rotherham at home. We were behind and it was 1-1 after 20, with 20 minutes ago, we won 3-1. Bolton at home is the next one, which we won in injury time, 3-2. Bristol City away, we drew with fifteen minute, uh, with 12 minutes to go, 2-2. Blackburn away, we scored the winner in the 86th. 
Forest at home. We all know what happened there. Three goals down. Then Derby home was that ridiculous game. It was 2-2. We scored with 10 minutes to go. The lights went out and then Derby won it in injury time. Um, and then Brentford away, we drew with an 83rd-minute goal from closer. And Rhodes scored 83rd-minute away to draw at West Brom. So that's a run of games. We didn't even pick up that many points. That's in a season where we won eight in a row. And that's kind of a forgotten run of games. And I think that goes back to the point that Zoe was making, just about the fun and the joy that came with this era. That's not a particularly memorable run, especially. But when you look at that in isolation, what a time that was to be an Norwich fan, just knowing that your team will still be in any any given situation in any game. It was just incredible, really. Um and one final stat to throw at you as well. Um, let's forget about the away run in the Premier League. Away from home in the Championship, we won 49% of our games under Daniel Farker. Bear in mind, the rest of the, at that level, the rest of this century, it was less than 30%. For, if we won that final game last season away at Barnsley, he'd have won more than half his matches in charge away from home in Norwich City. That is incredible. Absolutely incredible. It is. It is incredible. Oh, I'm, I've got the slight twinge that half of those would have been without home fans at the away games. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, I forget that there's always that asterisk, isn't there? <laughs> but, but I mean, that wouldn't take away from the fact of how they played away from home, which again was a joy because they would just hit hit teams. And, um, you know, Farkball is a thing. We will always think of Farkball, won't we? Um, mm-hmm. As much as Fark life. Um Favourite memory. I'm just going to throw one in, if I may. Um, I was going to tweet this, and I don't think I've tweeted it, actually. But I remember there was um, uh, quite early in his reign. It might have even been after the Millwall game. I can't re- remember the 4-0. But there was um, there was a game where they conceded a, a shocking goal from a set piece, I think it was. <laughs> to shock her. Um, and um, it, obviously, everyone was like, well, zonal marking doesn't work. Please, God, ditch zonal marking. What are you doing? So I, I, it was at a press conference, and I... I managed, I was outside and he, he was walking past, I think. So I managed to just pull him, pull him over with Joe Ferrari, who was head of comms at the time. I was like, Daniel, can I just stop you? Um, uh, and I just sort of said, look, that goal, everyone's telling me, you know, zonal marking's rubbish. And I'm looking at that goal thinking, well, how, why would zonal marking have, have stopped that? It's surely a flaw in the system. But I guess, you know, zonal marking is a good thing. So can you t- talk me through what should have happened in that goal and why why it wasn't down to the system? And he did. He sat there for five minutes and he talked me through what the goalkeeper should have done, why the defenders have got pulled up, had done the wrong thing and who was blocking who and all that sort of stuff. Um, I can't think of any manager that probably would have humoured me to that point um, uh, and with, with such warmth, but also explaining it in a way that just made me better at my job uh, and being able to explain something simply, which as a football manager, I think you have to be able to do because you've got to explain it to players. So um, I thought that was just a lovely moment. It happened quite early on and you just sort of, I think it was always a nice reminder to be reminded of the fact that um, I know nothing and uh, people working in football know a lot more, even if you sit there picking holes in it all the time. Um, so I was always very conscious of that. And he certainly proved in the championship just how good he was. Um, that is for sure. So there we go. That was my little memory. Uh, has anyone got any uh, favourite memories or any anything? Quite a nice place to end it, I think, Mike. Nice wasn't place it? to end it. Well done. Okay. Tell you what, um, where do we next think we'll see him? You've got you on my little year? list anyway. Um, <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm, I won't go against Dan. Dan has got the, the knowledge of, of German football, hasn't he? That does seem like the obvious choice. Not that um, Daniel Fark has ever done the obvious, but on, on this occasion, that, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? Could be like could be like a testimonial for someone yeah. <laughs> in, in, in 
five but, but years I, time. I tell you what, I, I do think any championship job that comes up over the next couple of months, oh yeah, it's got a shout, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yes. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but uh, the fact that Wayne the Rangers were without a manager um, caught someone's eye pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But don't don't quote me on that, please. It's already nuts as it is. Um, right. Uh, let's get some final messages then. Let's see. Gaz Freeman's been in touch. Gaz, when Wes came off the pitch for his last game, Daniel Farker giving a big hug. The whole stadium stopped and applauded him off, including the Leeds fans and the officials. Real bit of stadium dust in my eyes that day. Very true. Um, that was a lovely moment. Um, and other ones i don't want to talk about any new head coaches <laughs> um oh here we go this is a nice one it's fpl said listening to chris gorham commentator every weekend on ifollow <laughs> was a highlight of lockdown there you go chris absolute highlight um Our listening figures are down this year <laughs> um and i don't want to say oh, here we go jez davies also. jez davies tom tribal forgotten gem there we go that's a good shout oh okay pink and morph Hello, Pink and Morph. It's nice to hear from you. Uh, best goal of the Farker era. Who can remember what they were? Uh, <laughs> well, yes. I had one of my forgotten gems was that goal that we scored at Bolton in 1819, where it just went, we went back to front. And that back was a steep, Steeperman heavily involved in that goal that as Pookie's well. finish where he sort of shaped, hit it far post and yeah, it went into post. Oh, that was a brilliant goal, that. But there's that so was... many from that season, right? Oh. So many great goals from that season. Um, Chris says, imagine Farker with a budget. It'll be interesting to see. There we go. Um, He's had one. He's had I was going to say, another season. <laughs> a bit, a bit harsh. Um, okay. Well, I think in that case, I think we're pretty much, uh, we are pretty much done. Um, and that will be the end, I think, for our 87th edition of On The Ball, our bonus Daniel Farker legacy special podcast as Norwich City head coach. I've read that sentence in the wrong order. Uh, who knows when we'll mention him next on the pod? probably next week. Next week. Uh, if you get to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. I hope you've enjoyed this special. Uh, the pod is available free for everyone on a usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Just search Michael Bailey, The Athletic, Norwich City, and your preferred social media platform. And by golly, hopefully it will show up. Uh, ratings and reviews wherever are always uh, appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter and I'll do my best to find them. I've had quite a few in the last week. Uh, a big thank you to all of our guests this evening. Steve, thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. That was thoroughly enjoyable. I'm glad you enjoyed it. A um, bit like Daniel Farker's reign, hey? Um, John, thank you. Thank you. The, good, good Chris, good Chris, what a, what a star. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Really oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We'll, We'll do it again. Um, Zoe, Dan and Matt as our special guests as well. What superstars they were. And thank you very much for all your comments and questions, which were very much appreciated during the during the pod. Uh, we will be back, I think, a week on Monday, possibly. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, but have a look on Twitter and I'll let you know. Uh, but that will be for our next edition of Canary's Capers in another On The Ball, uh, a Norwich City podcast right here. Uh, but until then... I would say never mind the danger, but I'm just going to embarrass everyone by saying that uh, Jason Hayden has put a comment up to say, I think you should all end the pod with the Farker Olays. So um, who all, but... who's going to be Daniel? John's oh. taking that role on already. I think. I've got the yeah. hand. John, you're, you're Daniel Farker. Do it. I think we clearly miss him, don't we? Have a lovely <laughs> evening, everyone. Thank you very much. We'll see you very soon.